How many of you have ever um, did the grease pig contest? Like literally did it. Got a, okay, and, and I understand that's, maybe that's not supposed to be humane or anymore, and I understand that. So now they do, locally, they do the, the, the baby calf, and they tie a ribbon on the tail. Anybody do that? Nobody. Okay, my, my, my sons have their hands up, uh, and a couple other people in the back. At the rodeo, they would put, with a, with a baby calf, they put a ribbon on the tail, and you... And so you, the kids go in and try to catch the animal, catch the grease pig or, you know, which kid would grab the ribbon off the tail of the uh, animal. And I feel like this morning as I, as I prepared for this week, this, uh, this message I've been trying to prepare has been kind of like a grease pig. I can see it. I can smell it. I can get close to it. But it's just what is the best way to communicate it? This morning, and, and, and Lord willing, I've got uh, the Lord's uh, guided me and, and direct me. We're going to talk about worship this morning, and boy, did the choir not just lead us in worship a minute ago. Um, even, even, before the, even before the choir, if you know me, you know I, I need to, uh, this, is, this isn't even the right one. We sang another song, just listing the characteristics of God, who he is, what he has done for us, um, just, just trying to describe uh, how awesome and mighty and glorious he is, and just who we are in comparison to that. And uh, we've got to wrap our heads around that if we're going to worship God. And so I'm going to do, do my best this morning. I uh, just appreciate if you bow your heads. We'll pray together and we'll, we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, uh, you are great and you're mighty. You're worthy to be worshipped. Lord, I just appreciate the ministry of the choirs. They, they gave us so many adjectives this morning to describe you with. And, and Lord, we want to make much of you. And in order to do that, we must make less of ourselves. And so, Lord, I ask that you give us understanding this morning uh, that you would show us from your word what it means to worship you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's just define it to start with. In the Old Testament, uh, when we read about uh, worshiping, there is a Hebrew word that is used, and it, it, it has just a basic meaning to bow down. So you're reading in the Old Testament, you see the word worship, and it means to bow down, or uh, maybe even more literally, to depress oneself, to bring, bring yourself low. And so if you're reading the Old Testament, you, you would read it in, in a variety of ways. You might read that somebody bowed down. You might uh, read that somebody bowed their face to the earth, that they bowed down and worshiped. Sometimes it just says that they worshiped. It's, it's all using, it's all the same word being described in different ways, but to bring ourselves low, to bow down. In the New Testament, the, the, when we see the word worship, it has slightly different meaning, different culture, different meaning. It uh, means to kiss the hand. And so the picture is that you would kneel down and you would take someone's hand and kiss it out of respect, out of reverence, um, for, out of honor for the person that you are worshiping. It also could mean to, uh, to lay prostrate, prostrate, to pay homage, to reverence, to adore. So there's this physical act that should be pictured in our, in our mind when we see the word worship, that we are be kneeling down, 
that we are bowing down, we're bringing ourselves low, uh, but it has a significance. It's, it's saying uh, you are worthy, as the choir just sang, that we are, we are giving our reverence to someone else to say you have honor, you are higher than I am. I am low and you are to be exalted, you are to be lifted up. So this is what we, what we uh, mean when we say worship. So the question is, how does that play out in our lives? Uh, what does it mean to worship God uh, day to day? What does it mean to worship God when we come to church? Uh, so Louis Giglio uh, wrote a book called The Air I Breathe, and uh, he argues uh, in, in his book that as humans, we are created to worship. Like that is just within us. You don't have to be a, a Christian to worship. We are every, every person, every man, woman, boy or girl is created to worship. Uh, it's what we do. And so he describes it simply is, as our response. Worship is our response to what we value the most. So if we, could, if we track our time and our spending, you know, I had a, a, my pastor growing up would always say, check your calendar and your checkbook. Kind of dating myself. We don't actually carry around a calendar. We don't actually carry around a checkbook anymore. But I, get out your phone and, and look on, you know, Google Calendar and open up your banking app. Where's your time going and where's your money going? These are the things that are most important to you, no matter what we would say. So another definition of worship might be to declare the greatness of someone or something. Worship is to declare the greatness of someone or something. Now we can do that with our words, but we also do that with how we live. So I think we, could, we, would, we would find if we were uh, to, to consider our lives and what we do and what we emphasize, what we spend our time on, what we prioritize, that we worship a lot of different things using this definition, especially if we use Louis Giglio's definition of our response to what we value the most. Uh, people worship sports and athletes and athletic accomplishments, both individual accomplishments and team accomplishments. And so people worship athletes and their favorite sports team. Uh, people worship musicians you know, the ability to compose a, a, a lyric that really just strikes you in the heart, uh, and then the ability to perform that in a way that people enjoy. People worship uh, the entertainment industry. Uh, maybe you worship engineering. And you would say, well, I don't worship engineering, but do you, have anyone ever been to the Hoover Dam? I haven't, I'd like to go there. And you just, you look at it and you think, how do they do that? Mike's, Mike's an engineer. He says, you just build it. <laughs> Whatever it is, for some, some of you would worship the classic car. You know, the, 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 the lines and the, and the form of the car and what's under the hood. The things that we could worship are probably just about endless. And, and notice when I, when I say we would worship the car, or the, the Hoover Dam. And, and you know, I'm not saying you literally work, you're not singing, you know, we have to, we're retraining our mind, to I'm not talking about singing to the Hoover Dam, 
I'm talking about being in awe of the Hoover Dam. That's worship. So are we worshiping the created or the creator? Could anybody tell me who designed the Hoover Dam? Any of the names of the, the people who built it? We're not worshiping them, we're worshiping this thing that they made. Well, what's more impressive? The thing that they made or the people who were able to come up with this idea and understand how to build it so that it would last? We went to, uh, we went to Yosemite last summer and it was amazing. Uh, and, and for those of you who uh, have been there, you know that Half Dome is, is that huge, uh, I think it's called a monolith, maybe? Big rock, one big rock. And it's, it's kind of curved on the one side and then it's sheer on the other side. And it, does, it seems like it doesn't matter where you go in the park, you can see Half Dome. Or yeah, you can see Half Dome. You, wherever you go, it's, it's just there. And I'll be honest with you, I was in awe of this thing. It was, it was amazing. But as a Christian, I was also in awe of the creator who made it. But I would say that for many who visit Yosemite, or go a little further south into Sequoia National Park, we got to do that and see that the Sequoia trees are just mind-boggling. But I would say that many would go and, and visit Yosemite and they would visit Sequoia and they would worship, be in awe of the landscape, be in awe of the tree, and never worship the one that made them. Because they don't know them. Uh, John Piper from his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, this is the opening, uh, I think, two paragraphs of the book. Uh, this, and it's a book written about missions. And he says this, though, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Imagine you're writing a book on missions. That's your opening line. This is what he says. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship does not. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their face before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Uh, he continues, still quoting uh, John Piper, worship therefore is the fuel and goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. Are you glad this morning about the greatness of God? The choir was. <laughs> Uh, he, he continues by quoting a couple of verses. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. May the many coastlands be glad, Psalm 97.1. And let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, Psalm 67, 3 and 4. Okay, so in the scripture we're gonna see this morning just a few things. One, we are commanded to worship. Now, I already said we have, we're just, that's just within us. We are going to worship, but we're not just 
commanded to worship anything. We are commanded to worship God. Exodus 34, 14, God tells the people of Israel, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. We are to worship God. And as, uh, as uh, uh, John Piper alluded, our time here on earth is short. And for those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we will go to heaven to be with him and we will worship him forever. And so it makes sense that we would cultivate a lifestyle of worship in preparation for that. We're going to be good at it when we get there because that's what he created us to do. But we can work on cultivating a lifestyle of worship. So I think we're going we're gonna to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at how we worship God corporately, how we worship God personally, and then how we have what I call air-breathing worship. Okay, so corporate worship. That's what we're doing this morning. We've prayed together. Right now we are studying his word together. We sang praises to him together. We did it corporately. We did it as a group, and there is value in that. Not just because it sounds better when all of us sing together than when you sing by yourself. Maybe Peter, when Peter's singing by himself, it still sounds good. And Pastor Daryl, still sounds good. When I'm singing by myself, I wish I had people there with me. But it's more than that. It's more than that. In the Old Testament, uh, when, when, when God gave instructions for the people of Israel to build a tabernacle, they put the Ark of the Covenant in it, and the Ark of the Covenant was really where Moses would go to meet with God, face-to-face, time with God, getting instruction from God. And as you, we read through the Old Testament, we see that the, the uh, Philistines came in, and on one of their raids, they took the Ark of the Covenant with them. Um, and so there's, you, you could read all about that. Uh, we're not looking at that this morning, but eventually the people of Israel brought the Ark of the Covenant back into their possession, and this was where, the, the, the Ark was where they worshiped God. So I'm going to read to you from uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, it'll be on the screen, you could turn there in your Bibles if you want, 1 Chronicles 16. This is what the, the people uh, sang corporately together or proclaimed corporately together in a, in a large gathering. So um, this is, and, and, and what I was really just struck me this morning, both as, as we were singing, but then as the choir sang that last song, what we're going to read from scripture this morning, now this is God's inspired word that we're going to read this morning, but our songs that we sing mimic what we see in the scripture. Uh, so this is what they sang probably some 3,000 years ago. First Chronicles 16, starting 23. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. We've tried to do that this morning. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. 
Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then the tree of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. You see the purpose in there? It is to make much of God. There's no celebration. Look what we did. We got the ark back. Good job, guys. Let's, let's bring up the guys that uh, were involved that carried it. With, and, and we do. We, we, want, we, we sometimes bring somebody up. We brought Peter up to give a report this morning. But they weren't worshiping themselves and their accomplishments. They were making much of God because he's the one that is to be glorified and to be worshiped. And they said, look at the things that he did. Let's tell everybody now about how good God is. So they spoke about who God was, who God is. They declared what he had done. And they worshiped him. We're going we're gonna, to uh, do something together this morning. Psalm 136. Turn there if you have it. If you have your Bibles with you. Psalm 136. I want to just talk about worship this morning. I hope that as I read that you were worshiping with me and as the choir led us in worship and Pastor Darrell, we worship together. Uh, We're going to worship the Lord together this morning as we read his word. We're going to do this together. So if you're able and can stand for a few minutes again, I invite you to stand with me. And again, this is is, um, a word that the people of Israel when they came together for corporate worship, 3,000 years ago, they would have read these words together. So we're going to read some words that God's people, the people of Israel, read together 3,000 years ago. So what we'll do is I'll read the first line and and then you'll read with me or back to me, uh, for his steadfast love endures forever. All right, so I'm going to say why, why we're talking about God. You're going to repeat, the, you're going to give me the second line for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone who does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the water above, excuse me, the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. For the moon and the stars to rule over the night. We're going to skip down to verse 23. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. And he rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. 
for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. You guys take a seat. Why is it important that we worship God together as a group? Well, it builds unity of mind and purpose. I'm not sure how many we have this morning here or online, but together we have just focused on the same scripture. They say, they say friendships are built on joint experiences. You agree with that? I mean, you don't know somebody unless you've done some things with them. And so now we're, we're doing these things together. We're, we're building community. We're, we're providing a means of fellowship for each other to be able to encourage one another because we've, we've looked at the same scripture this morning together. We've sung the same words together this morning. It gives us a community of faith that we can lean on when we have difficult times, when we're dealing with a hard issue. You've got people that are, that are here that you know that you've worshiped the same God together with that we can lean on each other. So corporate worship is important, but personal worship is also important. So when I say personal worship, I'm talking about your personal time with God. You know, a lot of times we come to church and we talk about the things that we should do or the things that we shouldn't do, and obviously we're not talking about a a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what Christianity is about. It's built on a relationship. Um, there's, this, there's this concept, and I, I was trying to place, like, okay, where does this come from? But the bottom line is this is a centuries-old concept, and it tells us that as Christians, we must be with Jesus before we can go and do for Jesus. All right? We must spend time with him before we can go and do for him. In other words, how can we be expected to go out and serve God and be a witness and encourage others to do the same if we're not really in a deep personal relationship with him? How can you go tell somebody about somebody you don't know? Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our time with him fills us with worship for him with love for him, fills us with truth and knowledge from him, fills us with joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and these things that we need in order to love well. Uh, We're doing the Experiencing God study on Wednesday nights. One other thing that Henry Blackaby uh, says in the, actually in our study this past week, he said, God is far more concerned with your walking with him then he is interested in getting a job done for him. He's more interested in you spending time with him than accomplishing something for him. How many, how many doers we got this morning? Is that hard to hear? Listen to Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God, he says. Be still 
and be with him before you go and do for him. There's a, there's a command and two promises in this scripture, right? The command is, we see it. This is the part we, just about anybody can quote. Be still and know that I am God. Let's take a deep breath. Here's the promise. Okay, be still. Right? And then what does God promise? I will be exalted among the nations. What are we doing? We're being still. I will be exalted in the earth. We want to go and do for God. And God's saying, why don't you just be still, get to know who I am. He's not saying don't do anything, but let's just, first things first, be still and know that I am God. He will be exalted among the nations and in the earth. The command is to be still. We see this this tension between being still and doing uh, in in the gospel of Luke chapter 10. You've probably heard plenty of uh, uh, preachers preach on this subject, but it's the issue of Mary and Martha when Jesus came to visit. Uh, So it's familiar, but we're going to read it. I think it's four or five verses. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 uh, now, as they went on their way, this is Jesus and, their, and his disciples, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to get up and help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So you probably have an opinion on this passage because you've probably looked at it before and you thought, am I a Mary or am I a Martha? Uh, if, If you are a Martha, you definitely know who the Marys are. You can confess that at any time. Just a couple of things that I, that I noticed here. We can't say that sitting at Jesus' feet is wrong. But would you say that serving, welcoming somebody into your home and serving them a meal was wrong? Well, No. Right, So that's where this thing is, they're talking about who's right and who's wrong and what's better and what's not as good. But, but I think it's a lot about the attitude. Look at what it says in verse 40 about Martha. It doesn't just say that Martha was serving while Mary sat at Jesus' feet. It said Martha was distracted with much serving. So this word distracted means that she was drawn away or over-occupied. In other words, Jesus was there, but she was drawn away from him because she wanted to serve, prepare the meal, clean up, whatever she was doing in that serving. So she was, the idea of being distracted is that you have been drawn away from your primary task or objective. So 
So what was Mary's primary task or objective there that day? Excuse me, Martha. I mean, she had Jesus with her. Does that mean she couldn't serve him? They were just all going to go hungry? They just all had to sit there? No, but somehow she was more focused on the serving than the fact that she was going to serve her Savior. Uh, keep, keep looking at it with me. Verse 40 said that she was distracted. Verse 41 said that Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. She was so focused on the fact that she was serving while, more, while Mary sat that she became anxious and troubled. And she missed the thing that was important, being with Jesus. And it's not that this, again, it's not that the serving was wrong. You know, you're, I can't, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not up here asking you to serve and, and telling you about opportunities to get involved uh, week after week because that's the wrong thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But when we are with Jesus, as we serve him, we do it with joy and we do it with gladness and we do it out of our heart that has been filled because we spent time with him. So our worship is when we, when we come together corporately and we sing and we read and we encourage one another, but our worship is also when we just spend time with him. Looks different for different people. It needs to involve, uh, it needs to involve prayer, it needs to involve reading his word. Sometimes it includes a, a podcast or, or a book. It might involve just a, a walk uh, on one of our trails. Or, or down at the lake and just spending time in his creation, just worshiping him, thanking him for the beauty of creation and the beauty of the earth. But we've got to spend time with him. Then the third way that we worship Jesus is what I've titled air-breathing worship. And kind of just the twist on the, the title, I mentioned Louis Giglio's book, The Air I Breathe, Worship as a Way of Life. And what I mean is this, if you are breathing, then you are worshiping. So air breathing worship. So let's focus the, as we breathe the air, that we are worshiping God. And as we go into the New Testament, we see that worship is much more than just singing songs. It's much more than just the things that we, uh, the things that we say or that we spending time with him in the morning. Uh, Paul told the men of Athens, in him we live and move and have our being. So in Jesus, we, we live, we move, we exist, and we worship him as we live and move and exist. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we could go to Yosemite and just be in awe of the creation, but that's just the start. That worship needs to continue to be in awe, ultimately, of the one who created it, the one who carved the mountains and and set the trees in their place so that they could grow. He is the one that we worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, this is uh, Paul writing to, the, to uh, 
the, the, the believers in Romans. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So presenting our bodies to God is our spiritual worship. He gives us the basis. He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. God saved you. He saved me by his grace. He gave us a hope and a future. He gives us his love and his joy and his peace. He freed us from sin. He's put his Holy Spirit in us. He's making us new. He's conforming us into the image of his son. He's given us the promise to be with him forever. And because of those mercies of God, we bow down. We take the knee and we kiss his hand. We worship him because of what he has done for us. That plays out into our serving. Uh, Lord willing, next week we're going to talk about engaging God through service. But it's just getting up in the morning and saying, God, today's your day. I'm your servant. I want to bring glory to you. I want to honor you today in everything that I do. I don't need to look good, but I want you to look good. I don't need to be the one that's well thought of, but God, I want you to be well thought of because of the way that I live my life. Those are, those are, that's an attitude of, of bowing down. That's an attitude of depressing ourselves or, or bringing ourselves low so that our eyes will go to him. It's, the, it's an attitude of taking the knee and kissing the hand of our God saying, you're the one that's worthy. You're the one that I want to honor. Paul says here in, in Romans, that's, uh, that is our spiritual worship, presenting ourselves to God each and every day. Corporate worship is important. Personal worship is important. Air-breathing worship is where it's at. We, we, we can do the personal and the corporate at specified times, but just every moment of every day is for him. When we, when, we, when we do what is right, we are bringing him honor and glory. We're saying, I'm gonna set aside my personal wants, my personal preferences, my personal desires, and I'm gonna do the things that God's asking me to do. That's worship. And that's what, call, that's what God's calling us to do. Why don't you bow your heads with me, Lord, You, you are worthy, as the choir reminded us this morning. We're not worthy. We, we, we do so much uh, each and every day to, to look good, to be well thought of, uh, for commendation, for respect. And Lord, we should, we, should be, we should be getting up in the morning and we should be focusing not on changing the things we do necessarily, but maybe changing why we do it. Not for our recognition, not for our glory, not for our commendation, but that people would look at us and they would see us as salt and light and they would bring glory to your name. That's worship. Lord, I, I confess that I get caught up in, in, uh, in, in worshiping 
the created instead of the creator. Wanting, wanting myself to look good instead of wanting you to look good. As we've read from your word this morning, you created it all. This is your world. And so, Lord, I pray that we would have uh, hearts of humility. That we would give glory and honor where glory and honor is due, and that is to you, Lord. Whether that's with our, with our time and, and, and the things that we focus on with our time and our energy, whether that's with our finances, as we give to, give to things of, of you and your work and your ministry, whether that is uh, a combination of, of those things. Lord, would, pe- would people look at us and their gaze would be reflected to you because we're living a life of worship. Thank you for loving us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.